Chapter 56 of Astoria, or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Affairs of State at Astoria. MacDougall proposes for the hand of an Indian princess. Matrimonial embassy to Concomly. Matrimonial notions among the Chinooks. Settlements and pin money. The bringing home of the bride. A managing father-in-law. Arrival of Mr. Hunt at Astoria. We have hitherto had so much to relate of a gloomy and disastrous nature that it is with a feeling of momentary relief we turn to something of a more pleasing complexion and record the first and indeed only nuptials in high life that took place in the infant settlement of Astoria. MacDougall, who appears to have been a man of a thousand projects and of great though somewhat irregular ambition, suddenly conceived the idea of seeking the hand of one of the native princesses a daughter of the one-eyed potentate comcomly who held sway over the fishing tribe of the chinooks and had long supplied the factory with smelts and sturgeons some accounts give rather a romantic origin to this affair tracing it to the stormy night when MacDougall, in the course of an exploring expedition was driven by stress of weather to seek shelter in the royal abode of comcomly then and there he was first struck with the charms of the piscatory princess as she exerted herself to entertain her father's guest the journal of astoria however which was kept under his own eye records this union as a high state alliance and great stroke of policy the factory had to depend in a great measure on the chinooks for provisions they were at present friendly but it was to be feared they would prove otherwise should they discover the weakness and the exigencies of the post and the intention to leave the country this alliance therefore would infallibly rivet comcomly to the interests of the astorians and with him the powerful tribe of the chinooks be this as it may and it is hard to fathom the real policy of governors and princes MacDougall dispatched two of the clerks as ambassadors extraordinary to wait upon the one-eyed chieftain and make overtures for the hand of his daughter the chinooks though not a very refined nation have notions of matrimonial arrangements that would not disgrace the most refined sticklers for settlements and pin-money the suitor repairs not to the bower of his mistress but to her father's lodge and throws down a present at his feet his wishes are then disclosed by some discreet friend employed by him for the purpose if the suitor and his present find favour in the eyes of the father he breaks the matter to his daughter and inquires into the state of her inclinations should her answer be favourable the suit is accepted and the lover has to make further presents to the father of horses canoes and other valuables according to the beauty and merits of the bride looking forward to a return in kind whenever they shall go to housekeeping we have more than once had occasion to speak of the shrewdness of concomly but never was it exerted more adroitly than on this occasion he was a great friend of MacDougall and pleased with the idea of having so distinguished a son-in-law but so favourable an opportunity of benefiting his own fortune was not likely to occur a second time and he determined to make the most of it accordingly the negotiation was protracted with true diplomatic skill 
conference after conference was held with the two ambassadors concomly was extravagant in his terms rating the charms of his daughter at the highest price and indeed she is represented as having one of the flattest and most aristocratical heads in the tribe at length the preliminaries were all happily adjusted on the twentieth of july early in the afternoon a squadron of canoes crossed over from the village of the chinooks bearing the royal family of comcomly and all his court that worthy sachem landed in princely state arrayed in a bright blue blanket and red breech-clout with an extra quantity of paint and feathers attended by a train of half-naked warriors and nobles a horse was in waiting to receive the princess who was mounted behind one of the clerks and thus conveyed coy but compliant to the fortress here she was received with devout though decent joy by her expecting bridegroom her bridal adornments it is true at first caused some little dismay having painted and anointed herself for the occasion according to the chinook toilet by dint however of copious ablutions she was freed from all adventitious tint and fragrance and entered into the nuptial state the cleanest princess that had ever been known of the somewhat unctuous tribe of the chinooks from that time forward com comly was a daily visitor at the fort and was admitted into the most intimate councils of his son-in-law he took an interest in everything that was going forward but was particularly frequent in his visits to the blacksmith's shop tasking the labours of the artificer in iron for every state insomuch that the necessary business of the factory was often postponed to attend to his requisitions the honeymoon had scarce passed away and macdougall was seated with his bride in the fortress of astoria when about noon on the twentieth of august gassicop the son of concomly hurried into his presence with great agitation and announced a ship at the mouth of the river the news produced a vast sensation was it a ship of peace or war was it american or british was it the beaver or the isaac todd macdougall hurried to the waterside threw himself into a boat and ordered the hands to pull with all speed for the mouth of the harbour those in the fort remained watching the entrance of the river anxious to know whether they were to prepare for greeting a friend or fighting an enemy at length the ship was descried crossing the bar and bending her course towards astoria every gaze was fixed upon her in silent scrutiny until the american flag was recognized a general shout was the first expression of joy and next a salutation was thundered from the cannon of the fort the vessel came to anchor on the opposite side of the river and returned the salute the boat of mr macdougall went on board and was seen returning late in the afternoon the astorians watched her with straining eyes to discover who were on board but the sun went down and the evening closed in before she was sufficiently near at length she reached the land and mr hunt stepped on shore he was hailed as one risen from the dead and his return was a signal for merriment almost equal to that which prevailed at the nuptials of macdougall we must now explain the cause of this gentleman's long absence which had given rise to such gloomy and dispiriting surmises End of chapter fifty six